Welcome back to Roughing the Basket. I mean, look, this time we are back. We we have another episode recorded, so we are definitely not going to be taking a long break. And I think we're back for good this time. No more, you know, recording once every few months. And then, you know, we, we go MIA and then, you know, we, we come back out of nowhere again. And then everybody, there's rumors going on the street. Oh, it's Roughing the Basket dead. Did, did something happen? But nope, this time we're going to be consistent. So we're making changes here. But I am accompanied, as always, by Brandon Carr. Brandon, how are you doing today? Speaking into existence, Noah. I love that. Um, yeah, we've had some we've had some rough in the basket doubters. I'm not going to name any names. I feel like I've already named a specific person on this podcast before. But, you know, they're probably listening right now and they know. But, uh, yeah, I'm glad. You know, I'm glad to kind of get back into the swing of things. You know, obviously things get busy. Lives get busy. But I think, you know, with the summertime coming, you know, I think we have more time on our hands and I think that this is going to be a very productive summer for rough in the basket. And, uh, we got a lot of great things coming for you guys as well, the listeners. So very excited to get into, uh, specifically with this episode, the NBA finals and kind of just putting a bow on this past season, uh, which was a very crazy season, honestly. Um, so I'm very excited to get into that and then, you know, get into, uh, you know, the future episodes coming up where we've got a lot of great stuff going on. So, also wanted to really quickly plug because I feel like we should plug this right now. We have a YouTube channel. Uh, so make sure you guys go subscribe to that. Uh, just look up rough in the basket. I think it's rough in space and the basket is kind of one word. So find that we already have some of our reels that we put on our Instagram feed onto YouTube. So we'll have some YouTube stuff coming up as well. So go subscribe to that. Um, if you haven't already. Yes, sir. We have a YouTube channel. There's going to be some exclusive content coming this summer. I mean, dude, I got the summer off. I'm going to be in Columbia most of the summer. So like I'm oh, going to yeah. my hands to make content. So every day, I'm not going to say every day there's going to be something coming out, but at least a few times a week, there will be something coming out. So stay Big tuned time. for that. Subscribe to the channel and uh, yeah, you'll see what, what's going to be on there. But without further ado, Nikola Jokic is an NBA champ, man. He's an NBA champ. The Nuggets have done it. Dude, honestly, I think that game five was one of the most exciting NBA Finals games I've seen since, I want to say that, I believe it was 2016 when LeBron James came back from the 3-1 deficit and overcame the Golden State Warriors. I think that was one of the most exciting games I've seen since that game seven. Um, I mean, there was so much going on. The refs blew that call. Dude, that Jimmy Butler call was freaking horrible. Everybody was like, oh, the announcers were like, oh, yeah, this is going to be an easy call, overturned, very obvious. And then he's like, after further review, the call stands. And it's like, what? Dude, he literally extended his leg. I mean, I could see if he was like, if uh, Aaron Gordon was like going under him or something. But no, like he extended his leg. And the announcers even said like, oh, that could have been a technical foul technically on Jimmy Butler for uh, extending his leg and kicking Aaron Gordon in, in the groin. Like. Dude, crazy, man. I hope that Rev never calls another NBA game uh, or another NBA playoff game. Like, it's one thing to miss a call. It's another thing to look at a call for five minutes and then still miss it. That's atrocious. Crazy. It wasn't even Scott Foster in this game at all. He wasn't he wasn't roughing the extender. Um, yeah, that call was definitely uh, a really bad call. But, you know, it really didn't matter at the end of the day. The Nuggets, they won the game. I would say that throughout the course of the game it was pretty sloppy like both teams weren't really making a lot of shots but I could see like what you're saying about the excitement part of it like towards the end of the game obviously when it's a close game in a high leverage situation like this in the NBA finals where the Nuggets win and then they're the champions it definitely raises uh, the excitement level so the ending was really great um 
you know, congratulations to the Denver Nuggets. This is their first NBA championship in franchise history. Like, you know, I can't, you know, as a Celtics fan, I can't really say that, you know, it's, I, I don't, I know that they're feeling, but like, I feel like that, you know, they have to be so happy, the fans and just the organization as a whole. I mean, you wait so long to, you know, get that chance to, to win an NBA championship. There's been some really good Nuggets teams throughout the years, but, you know, now when you have the best player in the world, I think I'm going to say it. I think he's now the best player in the NBA, Nikola Jokic. You know, anything's possible. Um, and they did it in five games. And say what you want. Like, you know, I know people are kind of crapping on the Nuggets because, oh, like they played some lower seated teams. But, like, honestly, it, you know, I don't really care. They beat who they beat. So they beat the Lakers, they beat the Suns. Um, I'm missing another team in there as well. Uh, forget what other team Timber, they beat. Timberwolves, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah, Timberwolves. That was it. Um, so you know they and and they beat the Heat team that you know had the run of the century as the eight seed team. So you know I don't want to really hear people say that this Nuggets run was easy. Like you played LeBron, you played you know Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant. Like you had a really hard stretch, and you played a really good, co- well coached Miami Heat team that has gone on this crazy run. So I don't really want to hear that. And obviously we'll get into more of this, but you know, it's, this was a, I just really want to just give my congratulations to the Denver Nuggets and really, you know, their fans for, you know, having this opportunity to finally finally celebrate their championship victory. I mean, that's got to be a great feeling. Bro. It's like the expectations that people have for this team, or I, I don't know if it's necessarily expectations, but it's just people want to find something to just destroy this team or like when there's a, success, a successful NBA player that comes out of nowhere or a successful team, people just want to find a reason to doubt. Dude, I'm going to read you this, right? This is Nikola Jokic's playoff stats and 20 games, 30 points per game, 13.5 rebounds per game, 9.5 assists a game. That's insane. Now you want to hear something crazy, right? So last year, you remember how everybody was like, oh, they lost in the first round. Oh, yeah, great job, MVP, right? Lost in the first round. You know what he averaged first round of last year? 31 points a game, 13.2 rebounds, 5.8 assists. You know who they were playing, right? They were playing the team that won it all, the Golden State Warriors. Let's go back to 2021, shall we? He averaged in 10 games in the playoffs, 30 points per game, 11.6 rebounds per game, and 5 assists per game. You know who they lost to, right? The, the team that made it to the NBA Finals, the Phoenix Suns. So, look, every single year they've played very good teams in the playoffs, and the ones that have eliminated them have gone on to make significant runs in the playoffs or win the NBA championship. So, you know, I'm sick of all this slander of the Nuggets. I think it's a great story. Jamal Murray obviously coming back from that horrific injury and being able to return to the player that he once was. Um, and, you know, a lot of people had doubts about, oh, you know, it was the NBA bubble. The bubble doesn't count, which, first first of all, not true at all. I don't even want to get into that. It does count. It happened, and uh, I don't understand why people say it doesn't count. It does. But with that being said, Jamal Murray obviously had a great run inside of the bubble. And then people afterwards, they wanted to say, oh, it's just the bubble. He got injured. You know, it's it's done. Like, his career is going to have a downward trajectory, all that crap. And then he comes back, puts up, you know, 20-6 and six a game, and ends up winning the NBA championship. And him and Nikola Jokic are definitely the best one-two punch in the NBA right now. Um, and then you also have great stories like Jeff Green. I mean, the fact that this guy had open heart surgery uh, like 11, 12 years ago, and then he comes back and he's able to extend his career longer than some superstars have been able to do. And he's been able to do that, play a significant role on teams um, as a locker room pre- uh, presence, as somebody who is positive in the locker room, in the community, and also contributes on defense and plays hard both sides of the ball. And 
if you're a three and D guy, we've seen this like with Trevor Ariza. I'm sure there's been other guys who have been able to really extend their career another five plus years where otherwise they would have been out of the league. But when you have these three and D guys, like they can extend their career up until like their late thirties and Jeff Green, man, hell of a story. I think that's been overlooked a lot. Like out of all the outlets that I've seen cover the NBA finals, I don't think I've heard that mentioned one time that he has come back from the surgery. You know, he extended his career and he's been able after uh, we talked about this prior to the starting, uh, starting the show and hitting the record button. He's played for 11 different NBA franchises. That's insane. And he's been able to do it and um, continue to find his place in the league. And I think that's a great story in, in amongst itself. Yeah, that's definitely one of the more underrated storylines. Like Jeff Green, I remember him, you know, when he was a Boston Celtic for the four seasons that he was uh, here. And I think he had the heart condition while he was a Celtic. I think he played one season, had the heart condition, and then he played another couple seasons seasons with Boston and then ended up going to Memphis after that. So, you know, he's, uh, again, another guy, you know, he was, you know, his, his contributions were, I think, I think he had made a contribution throughout the playoffs, obviously, but, you know, it just, it just talking about his story itself is just a great story. And, you know, it's cool to see a guy like that kind of bounce back and have a great uh, career like he did. Um, and, you know, and with Jamal Murray too, like he averaged 26.1 points per game, 7.1 assists, 5.7 rebounds. He shot 47.3% from the field and about almost 40% from three in this playoff run. So, Again, he's another guy, like you said, he just steps up in these big moments, steps up in the playoffs. And, you know, he I think he's really cemented himself as like a top 25 to 20 player in the league right now. I really think that. And, you know, he's just a great running mate with Jokic. And I think those two just kind of really their chemistry is is really great. And I think they're just two perfect players to play next to each other. Um, so, I mean, I, I, again, the Nuggets have had, you know, a, a great season and definitely don't want to take anything away from them. Um, and, you know, just talking about Jokic too, I feel like we should also kind of segue into this conversation. Um, you know, now he's an NBA champion. He's a two-time MVP. He's a finals MVP. Now he's made the all NBA team five times, three time, first team all NBA, two times, second team, all NBA. He's a five time all-star. He puts up these ridiculous games where he's got like 30 points, 20 rebounds and 15 assists. Like, you know, very often, um, you know, at this point in time, like now the conversation kind of begins, like, is Nikola Jokic a top 10 center of all time? Is he a top seven, top five, even like, I think we can start having these conversations because he's the best player in the league. He very well could have won an MVP this season. I think, I think that he, I probably think he should have won it. Now that I'm thinking of it, I mean, not to take anything away from Joel Embiid, what a great season. He won the MVP, but I really think you can make an argument that Nikola Jokic could have won his third MVP. And, you know, if that was the case, he could have probably had one of the greatest seasons in the history of the NBA to win an MVP award, NBA championship and finals MVP all in one season would have been crazy. But what I, I wanted to kind of play this game with you as well. So I don't know what your take is on this, but. I'm going to name some centers. They're all-time centers that have played in the NBA. And I just kind of want you to tell me if Nicole, who's better. The center I'm going to name are Nicole Jokic all-time right now. Do you want Before to play? you do that, I got to throw in one more thing. You know who the Nuggets lost to in 2020? The NBA champions, Los Angeles Lakers. Lakers. Yeah. That's, I want to throw that in there. So, all right, yeah, I'm ready to play now. All right, yeah. So, 
All right. So then we'll, we'll, we'll start with some easy ones. So Shaquille O'Neal, Shaq or Nicole Jokic? You got to give it a Shaq. You got to give it yeah. a Shaq still. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Uh, how about Wilt Chamberlain? Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll score a hundred. I mean, the pioneer <laughs> of the game. It's it's hard to say. I'm hoping you throw out like some guys that aren't like in the top three because that's like. Oh, I'm going to. I'm just giving right, you some. Right. I'm giving you some easy. You're giving ones. me a baseline. I got you. Yeah. All right. So how about Bill Russell? The impact of Bill Russell. Had. I mean, you gotta give it to Bill Russell. Eleven and thirteen years. So. Yep. I'm in agreement with you so far. Um, right. How about Kareem? Kareem had the scoring title. You gotta give it to Kareem. I mean. All right. How about Hakeem Olajuwon? As of right now, Hakeem Olajuwon, but but if Jokic wins one more title or one more one more uh, MVP, I think he passes him. Yeah, I mean, I think I would say Hakeem Olajuwon right now. I mean, 12-time All-NBA player, 12-time All-Star, nine-time All-Defensive team. I think that's going to be an argument that people who, people who don't want to put Jokic up there is the defense because obviously a lot of these guys we mentioned are like really great defensive centers, but – I mean, Jokic is going to probably go down as one of the greatest offensive players to ever play. But, all right, I'm going to get into some maybe harder ones. All right, how about David Robinson? I would say Jokic has already passed him. I, I know that sounds crazy. All right, I'm, I get it. I get it. I know it sounds crazy. It's just it, – it's hard, man. It's hard because I feel like a lot of these I'm comparing apples to oranges because what Jokic is is so different from what these guys are. It's like – Dude, if you watch Jokic play, like I'm sure everybody has at this point, it's like the way that he plays, it looks like he shouldn't be able to play basketball as well as he is. He like he runs down the court like at two miles per hour, kind of hunched over, and then he just gets the ball and like puts it in the hoop somehow. It, like this happens every time. It's like, dude, and then rebounds. It's like it, it, it seems like he doesn't even work that hard for rebounds or he doesn't even jump. It's like the ball just comes his way. But what what separates Jokic is his passing and basketball IQ. I have never seen a center pass the ball as well as this man like mm-hmm. you know he'll be halfway in a shot you know you'll be like okay is he gonna miss this shot is he gonna make the shot and then out of nowhere you just see the ball in like jamal murray's hands and you're like wait how did how did he even get there like he passed it just now what the heck and it, it's like what he's able to do with the ball is just incredible it's it's so hard to compare at this point i think because he is still relatively young i think he's 27 if i'm not mistaken or 28 i think he's 28 right now yeah, so he still has he still has maybe another four years um, until he gets to that point where I feel like maybe it's more adequate to compare him to these guys. But if you say like passer, better passer than any of these guys, I think he's the best passing center of all time. Right. That's not a question. All right, so maybe we can ask like if he's better than them right now, or do you think they will be that he'll be better? So how about like those guys I just mentioned? Do you think he'd pass like Shaq, Wilt, Bill Russell? Hakeem, you said Hakeem, he could pass. Hakeem, like, Hakeem's realistic. I think the other three, it's it's tough. It's tough. All right. I'm Shaq's name- dominance. I mean, Shaq's dominance is something that this generation really forgets about. Yeah. All right. Let me name it. Let me name a few more. So right. how about how about Dwight Howard? Someone who's a little bit more modern. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No. Definitely. Nikola Jokic is better. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, Dwight has you know he's a three time defensive player of the year. Like he's a great player. But yeah, I would I would probably say Jokic as well. I would. I mean, Dwight, not to take anything away from him, and when he was with the Magic, he, I mean, he took the Magic to a finals, but Jokic got the job done. So I, I got to go with Jokic as well. Um, and then maybe some other, like, easy ones, or maybe not this one. Uh, how about how about Patrick Ewan? Do you think Jokic is better? Yeah. 
I'll go Patrick. Uh, I'll just take uh, Jokic over Ewing, definitely. You win. Yeah. All right. I would say this one is tough, potentially. Let's see what you say. How about Moses Malone? That's that's really a tough, tough one, right? Yeah, that's really tough. I I think I don't think I can pick right now, man. I think they're both like at the same level. It's just again, it's just tough because it's like it really depends on like the preference. Like, do you prefer defense? Or do you prefer a guy that is very uh, versatile with what he does on the basketball court? And instead of being like that standard center build, like he's just an extremely good passer, he can still get rebounds though. And he can also score the ball probably better than out of all those centers you mentioned in terms of scoring, he's probably a better scorer than all of them besides, um, you know, Shaq will. And then, well, he's a better scorer than Bill Russell statistically. So Mm -hmm. You know, I would say he's probably a better scorer than all of those except except two. So it really depends what category you're looking at. That's true. Um, yeah, Moses Malone's a really tough one. I think I would probably take Moses right now, but like I could see Jokic passing him. I think Jokic is definitely top ten. There were some other guys I had on here like Bob McAdoo, West Ansel, Rob Parrish, Willis Reed, like. I'm sure we're going to take Jokic over him, those guys, too. You know what's so. mad funny, bro? I actually bought a Bob McAdoo autograph card this week. I'm not even playing. Oh, my God, really? <laughs> yeah. Dude, it's so cheap, bro. I feel like this generation, again, like I'm going to say, I feel like this generation disrespects a lot of those legends because, like, Bob McAdoo, if you look at his numbers, like, he averaged, like, 30 points a game, like, a few years in a row. Like, he was he was it's a killer. three-time scoring champ. Yeah, yeah, he was a savage, man. And it's like, people forget that. You know how much I bought that card for? It was, like, $10. After tax and after shipping, it was like 14. It's like, it's crazy to me, man. It's like, but then, you know, you have a Zach Wilson rookie card that is a one out of five or whatever signed and everything, and it'll go for $100,000. And it's like, he's literally accomplished nothing. That's why I'm like, I don't understand the market. Like, I get it, but it just makes no sense in terms of cards. Yeah, I don't understand that either. I mean, Bob McAdoo was one of the better players in the NBA, definitely in the 70s. I mean, the Buffalo Braves, when they were that team, he was... I mean, he was so dominant. Like you said, those three 30-point-per-game scoring seasons, the three-time scoring champion. He was a two-time NBA champion. Like, yeah, can't take anything away from him. So, yeah, so I think the moral of the story with kind of this ranking is I think Jokic is is on his way to being a top, probably a top-five center in the game, if you want to say it like that. Definitely, I think he has cemented himself as a top-10, though. Like, not to take anything away from these other guys, but, like, you know, he's the, the how he's doing it too. Like, he just, he's just such a unicorn. Where, I mean, we've never seen anything like this. Like, a big man who's able to be this great of a passer. Like, he might be the best passer in basketball, and he's a center. And, you know, he's averaging 30 in the playoffs. He's, you know, his rebounding numbers are there. Again, the only thing I think you can take away from Jokic is the defense part. But, like, you know, when you're so good offensively, it's like, you know, how much is the the lack of being like an elite defensive player really matter? Like, I don't know. So yeah, I'm I'm in agreement with you. I definitely a top 10 player. Seems like that you think that he's like very close to top five. I would say that he's I would probably put him like top eight, I would say right now, top nine. Yeah, and it's just it's wild to me because if you listen to him after these, or if you looked at the the broadcast after the NBA finals was over. Yeah, they were just like, how does it feel to be an NBA champion? He was like, it's good, it's good. Now I get to go home. The job's done. And then the guy, <laughs> it's just mad funny. The guy bro. just wants to go home and, yeah. and ride and his then, horses. 
<laughs> and then they told him, they told him at a press conference, they were like, oh, you said you uh, wanted to go home. You know that there's a parade you got to go to, right? And he's like, wait, there's a, there's a parade? And it's like, yo, he literally just used it as a nine to five. Like, that's a crazy I know, thing. like, everyone's saying that. I'm like, it's, yeah. I mean, it's true. Like, he even, he even was like, you know, like, most people don't like their job. And if you're saying that you do, you're lying. Like, he's just, it's funny. I've, I'm not stealing. I, I don't want to steal this from anybody. But, like, I've also seen people say, like, oh, like, the NBA is just a side quest for him. Like, it really feels that way. It's just, like, he's playing as, like, it's his like sucky job that he has to go to, but he happens to be the freaking best player in the world. Like it's yeah, just crazy. It's wild, man. Like in, in 10 years, even maybe five years, like after his contract's over, like he might just retire still in his prime. Like I could see, I could see that, it. Yeah. And then just like disappearing off the face of the earth, getting off all social media and just being like some horse farmer out in like Serbia. Like, do you know who he like kind of reminds me of a little bit in terms of like personality is like Tim Duncan. Like, you know, Tim Duncan was like super like reserved and like such like a you know class act type of player. Like he wasn't showboating, like he kept quiet. And like once Tim Duncan retired, like we really didn't know what he was doing like all that much. Like I kind of see like Nikola Jokic being kind of like similar in that way. So when you said like, you know, that he could retire early. It's very possible. If he has enough money to to be able to retire himself and his family, he'll do it. <laughs> he's <laughs> like, making forty million a year. He doesn't he he's already set for life. I mean like he'll really do it. So it's crazy to think about that. That the best player in the NBA is just like so nonchalant about about anything. Did you see that he also apparently lost his uh finals MVP trophy? He was just like, Oh, like I left it in the equipment room, like I don't know where it went or something. <laughs> Like he doesn't, Dude, he just, he doesn't, just care. doesn't care. I know that's the craziest so thing, funny. but like the thing is that now this is the difference, right? Because I think some people may uh look at some things I've said about other players, like oh, he doesn't even like basketball, and then they might say, Oh, but you said that about him, but um, you're saying you're saying, Oh, it's okay that Jokic may not like love basketball, but here's the difference between Ben Simmons and Jokic <laughs> Jokic puts in the work. Dude, his coach, Mike Malone, mm-hmm. right? He actually has ties to Massachusetts. I know Providence is Rhode Island, but he was like an assistant coach for uh, Providence actually for a little while. And then also, he went to a high school in Worcester for one year. It was a prep school. Oh, interesting. Yeah, dude. I, I found this out and I was like, oh, shit. I just uh, I just went to Worcester the other day. That's wild. It's on Arena Football League game. It was pretty fun, actually. Saw How our was boy, Our boy, Brandon Clay, there. <laughs> Shout friend, out. Friend of the program. Friend of the program. The A-lister himself, class. man. The A-lister himself, bro. He's he's interviewing Kane Brown. Kane Brown, yeah, the country. Oh, Kane star. Brown, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout and, out to uh, him. If you're a Kane Brown fan, uh, stay on the lookout for that. Yeah, or, or, or Brandon, Brandon Clay. Clay fan, either way. But Brandon Clay, friend of the program. Um, yeah, he's been on here before. He'll be back one day when his clout drops off a little bit. But anyway, <laughs> when he's got time for it, he's not listening to this. It's okay. Uh, anyways, so um, back to basketball though. I think just to say like what the difference is between that. Is that Jokic? I mean, he puts in the work, right? His coaches say that, his teammates say that, that he's the first one to come in, he's the last one to leave. Even if he doesn't love basketball, he at least has passion for it to the extent that he'll go into work and he'll be like, I'm making this money, I gotta do my job, and I gotta do it well, you know, and I, I respect that about him. But um, you know, we gotta talk about the heat a little bit too. Before we do though, I just I have a question for you. The sure. way too early, one minute, one minute segment, way too early to predict NBA finals of next year. Who do you think's winning it next year? Give me like a team out of the West and East. I'll tell you, you want me to tell you mine first just to give you a second to think? Yeah, you put me on the spot. Go ahead. Let me hear what you got. 
Celtics Warriors. I think it's going to be a rematch. Okay, interesting. So, so do you think the Warriors bring back Draymond Green? Because like I feel like the he's super essential for them to be back in that spot. No, I think that they can win without him. Really? Wow. Yeah. I feel like they need him. Like as much as like. I'm not the biggest Draymond Green fan because of what he says about the Celtics being a little bit biased, but like he's really important to that team, like defensively and just like the locker room presence. Um, I respect that. Like, so I could see maybe you think like Andrew Wiggins like comes back healthy and has like a like a really good season. He was an All Star like two years ago, so it's possible. Yeah, I think the Warriors are going to make some major moves in the offseason, man. I think we don't even know what's going to happen. Two teams to look out for, Rockets and Warriors. Those two are going to do some wild things. Interesting. So when we do our like NBA offseason prediction show like coming up really soon, we'll have to <laughs> have to hear more about that. Um, I guess on the spot, I got to go with the Celtics too. I'm I'm confident in them. Like they're so close. I know there's been the chatter like, "Oh, like they should trade Jalen Brown," but like you know, I think Jalen Brown, I think, proved that he's, like, maybe not, like, a number one option. Like, when Tatum was, like, off the court, like, Jalen Brown, when he was asked to, like, kind of handle those duties, he was not really that great of a ball handler, which we knew he wasn't that great of a ball handler to begin with. So, I'm not saying anything. When Jalen Brown's great, too. I think he's a really good player. I think the Celtics need him. Obviously, Tatum's going to be taking that step forward again. Like, maybe Jalen Brown takes another step forward. I think the Celtics, we'll talk about this a little bit later. Like, they could be players for Bradley Beal. We'll talk about him a little bit later in the pod. But I think the Celtics will be there. Um, and then in the Western Conference, man, that's tough. Um, you're really putting me on the spot here. I don't I don't think Denver is going to go back. Like, they really could. I could see it. But, man, a team that I feel like that can get to the Western Conference being the being the Western Conference Finals and make it to the NBA Finals. Um, maybe the Phoenix Suns. Like if if like Devin Booker and like if Kevin Durant could be healthy, I think they're there. Um, mm-hmm. I know they might lose Chris Paul, but I think they'll figure it out. I think Phoenix is going to be another team that is going to be kind of busy this offseason. They're really close, so I'm going to say the Phoenix Suns right now. That's going to change probably, but I'm going to say them. Yeah, it's so early. I mean, we'll definitely be talking about this on future Rough in the Basket episodes. But I will say the thing about the, the Celtics, I wanna I wanna go on a little rant here, right? Sure, yeah. I'm so it. tired of Boston Celtics fans having these enormous expectations for everything, right? Boston sports fans in general, right? Red Sox are like they're basically 500. They're not even a bad team. And I hear people saying, oh, Red Sox are absolute garbage, right? Celtics literally made it to the NBA finals last year. Jason Tatum made it. Rookie year to a game seven against LeBron James yeah, when LeBron yeah. James was going on that, you know, nine out of 10 years, he made the NBA final run. Um, And then also last year they made it to, or this last, you know, a few weeks ago, made it to game seven against the heat being down Oh three and almost making NBA history. And they're still not content. It's like, dude, what more do you want? I get you're a title town. I understand the expectations, <laughs> but it's like, dude, like you have everything you ever wanted. You know how much, an NBA franchise would kill to have both Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And it's like yeah. Jalen Brown averaged 26 points this season. I believe like five rebounds, five assists. And I think he had like a few steals or something, right? A great player. I understand he, he's not the number one dominant ball handler that you need maybe, but like, dude, like he's a good player. He's a really good player. Really good player. Yeah. You, if you trade him, you are going to get maybe a mid round first round pick and maybe a few role players. You are not going to get the value no. for him. And it's like, you are better off 
literally, I'm serious when I say this, you are better off keeping him and losing him in free agency next year, doing some kind of signing trade and at least being able to get some kind of value back that way than trading him right now. It's, it's mind-blowing to me. It's absolutely preposterous that people want to get rid of him when he's just been so good for like the last few years. And him and Tatum have been playing excellent basketball, had his best season of his career, and Celtics fans just want to let him go. And I think that's crazy to me, man. I'll keep it short. Uh, we got to keep Jalen Brown. And I think the Celtics, which they've been doing, they've been getting some assistant coaches to round out that coaching uh, that coaching room there with Joe Mazzua. Uh, to get him some help and then make a few minorish moves. We'll be back in the finals, and I'm confident on that. So after that Boston rant, we are going to continue this by talking a little bit about the team that eliminated Boston this year, the Heat. I mean, like mm-hmm. the Heat had a crazy run in the playoffs. Obviously, nobody expected them to go this far. In the play-in tournament, they were literally one game away from being eliminated. The Hawks actually beat them. I don't think a lot of people remember this. The Hawks beat them to become the seventh seed. And it looked like they were going to lose and just get eliminated right there. And then and then they they pulled one of the biggest upsets in NBA history by beating the number one seed Bucks. And then Giannis had his whole rant about like the season being a fail, not being a failure. And we all remember that. Uh, and then he just kept he kept knocking out teams. Uh, Jimmy Butler. I mean, it was really Jimmy Butler and Bam. Those two were just taking over this whole team. I, obviously, you got to give some props to Caleb Martins as well. Um, I mean, he was a big big help during the the postseason run but to do this while not having their number one or their number one scoring option i mean number one three-point scoring option in tyler hero is incredible um i i think this is just it's it's amazing honestly just see what they were able to do as an eight seed and to reach the nba final second eight seed ever to make the nba finals the only other time that's happened was the 1999 knicks so Crazy, man. Um, But I just want to hear your thoughts about the Heat, kind of what you think they're going to do from here, and uh, any other thoughts you want to throw in on what they've done. Sure. Um, I got a little bit of animosity towards the Heat for uh, that entire series as a whole. Heat fans were kind of trying to get under our skins. I'm going to let that – I'll let that slide for now. I'm going to – I'm just going to be – I'm not going to be biased. I'll be as as level-headed as I possibly can talking about this team. But – yeah, I mean, not to take anything away from them. They were great. Like, this run that they had, like, yeah, I know Giannis got hurt. They still were able to close out the Bucks, Um, And then, you know, beat in a, a pretty feisty New York Knicks team. You know, they had a really good season as well. They beat them. And then, you know, being able to avoid, you know, being part of history and closing out the Celtics in that game seven, which will haunt me for probably this entire offseason. Um you know, you got to get props to the Heat for getting this far. And, you know, I think that really starts with, I think it starts with Eric Spolstra. I think Eric Spolstra is probably the best coach in the NBA. Like, I, I think he just gets the most out of some, like, lesser-known players. Like, look at, like, Gabe Vincent. Look at Caleb Martin. Look at Max Struess throughout the playoffs. Like, those were guys who had some pretty big games they didn't quite show up in the finals. Like Max Struess only averaged 5.8. Caleb Martin only averaged 7.4 in the finals. But like Caleb Martin was such a big factor in that Celtic series to close out the Celtics. Like he was just not really missing any shots. Like Gabe Vincent, Max Struess, these guys were like, you know, like very like underwhelming players before, you know, getting into the Miami Heat. Like they were just, they were really players that nobody really knew about. And they kind of just ended up blossoming into being like very key integral pieces to this team. Even like Duncan Robinson, who was having like a really 
poor season for himself in the regular season. Like he really kind of stepped up in the playoffs and he had some pretty big shots. He had some pretty big moments and, you know, like this is just a testament to like the, the heat culture. I really do think is a real thing. Like they, I think are really all, we're all bought in and, you know, Eric Spolstra is again, just, I think the best coach in the league um, in my opinion right now, just the way he uh, is able to utilize his players and just kind of get players, um, you have players just step up that you wouldn't really normally think he's at least a top three coach um, in my opinion, but yeah. And, and, you know, in terms of the finals, I mean, he kind of fell flat on their face and, you know, Jimmy Butler, maybe it's attributed to his ankle injury. I know he had an ankle injury that maybe could have bothered him, but really out really like he wasn't quite himself for kind of a while. I feel like, I feel like even in the Boston series, like he, he really wasn't like, the playoff Jimmy Butler, like Himmy Butler that everybody likes to call him. Like he really wasn't that type of player for a while. And I think it definitely makes sense that it could be attributed to the ankle injury. Like, I feel like, you know, when you have a lower body injury, it's going to kind of, it's going to kind of mess up a lot of things. Like it's going to mess up you running up and down the court. It's going to mess up the jump shot in a way um, because you're putting pressure on your foot when you're, you're taken off from the ground. Uh, it's gonna it's gonna hinder you on the defensive end with your lateral quickness. Like, so I, I do think that 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 probably did play a factor. Jimmy Butler did not really have a great finals performance. He, I saw. I think it was Nick Wright of uh, First Things First who had said this, and I definitely feel like this is pretty accurate. Um, I think he compared Steph Curry and Jimmy Butler, and compared Steph Curry when he lost to LeBron in the three, one, uh, the three, one comeback, like his stats compared to Jimmy Butler's and it were very similar stats. And if you can remember in that series, like Steph Curry was like, not really like himself, I guess, um, in that series, like he wasn't really like the catalyst of that team. Um, and it was kind of a little bit similar with Jimmy Butler. So, you know, Jimmy Butler, he's a really good player, obviously, um, in playoff Jimmy Butler, like it is a thing for some occasions, but I feel like, you know, this, this time around, maybe it was the injury, what, whatnot. He just didn't really have like that, that like performance that we were looking for. Like he averaged 21.6 points per game. That was second on the team. Bam Adebayo averaged a little bit more points than him. Bam averaged 21.8. Um, if you look at the shooting percentages, Jimmy Butler, he had shot 41% from the field and only 36% from threes. So wasn't really quite efficient. And I feel like that definitely played a factor. Um, you know, the Miami Heat had, they, again, a really good season, um, and especially in the playoffs. It's crazy to think that, like, they almost lost that playing game against the Chicago Bulls. The Bulls were up by, like, three with, like, three minutes left in the fourth quarter, like, I can only imagine if the Bulls won that series, like how much that would change the course of history, you know, in these NBA uh, playoffs. But not to take anything away from Miami, they were really good season. But yeah, I think the Cinderella story just kind of came to an end. And, you know, guys like Caleb Martin and Max Struess, who were so integral in previous series in the playoffs, just kind of didn't really play up to par. Same thing goes for guys like Gabe Vincent. Um, so, you know, just though supporting the supporting cast around Jimmy didn't uplift uh, their, their game like they did in previous series. And, you know, that kind of really shot the heat in the foot. You know what I'm tired of, man? I'm tired of a lot of times I feel like 
I feel like it would almost be more beneficial a player's legacies to lose in the first round of the playoffs and lose in the finals. And I think that is something that as sports fans, like we got to stop doing because the fact that Jimmy Butler has made it to two finals and Tracy McGrady never made it out of the first round of the playoffs is like, it's mind blowing, man. Like Jimmy Butler, every single time he makes it to the playoffs, besides that one year that he ended up getting, I don't know if they got sweet by the, the, the Bucks or they lost, they lost in the first round by the Bucks. Um, Every other year, he has been able to tack on the points in the postseason. Like uh, that year that they made the NBA finals in the bubble, he, I believe he was averaging like 19 points per game regular season. Uh, postseason, he was averaging 22. Last year, when they made it to almost the NBA finals again, lost to Boston, he, they, uh, I believe he ended up averaging something like 27 points per game in the NBA playoffs. Regular season, it was at 22. This year, averaged, I believe, 21 or 22 points in the regular season. Postseason, averaged 26.5. It's like, this man puts up his game big time in the NBA playoffs. And that's why I think and, and like the all I'm, I'm not going to obviously say he's like top 20 to ever play the game or anything like that. But I would say, honestly, I think there's a big debate that he is a better player, despite his stats being significantly lower than this other guy. I think he's a better player than James Harden because he does more in the playoffs than James Harden. James Harden, every single year in the playoffs, he'll have maybe a few good games and then he'll choke the rest of the time. Jimmy Butler, like, yes, you can make the argument that he was super inefficient during the finals. Yeah, that's fair. But just to get to the finals and get to this point is something that James Harden has only been able to do his, like, rookie year or second year when he had, you know, KD and Ross and, and they were the young Oklahoma City Thunder. So I think with that being said, we really got to give a lot of respect for Jimmy Butler to even get his team to that point. And uh, instead of, you know, criticizing him for being for, – for getting his, uh, his butt kicked by the Nuggets in the finals – for being able to see like his dedication and how much like work he put in to get to that point. Because like that run that he put on, even though there was that bad call in, in the middle of that, like he put up like 11 or 12, like unanswered points against the nuggets or not unanswered. I think they scored as well, but he was the one providing all the offense for the heat. And they really had no, no other options. You look at the heat roster. It's amazing how many like undrafted free agents they had, they had on that roster and how far they were able to go with those guys that are getting paid like under $3 million a year. I mean, it's incredible. And then you have Udomus Haslam. That's like the grandfather of the NBA who still hasn't retired for some reason. I don't know why. He's like 43 years old. He's probably going to set the record for oldest, uh, oldest player ever play an NBA game, and he's not even going to play. He's just going to be on the bench. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think you see my point with all of this. Yeah, Udomus Haslam, like, I feel like he's got, like, the easiest job in the world right now. Like, he literally, like – but never plays and he's just sitting on the bench making you know making a paycheck and his team's getting into the finals but yeah i mean i'm not taking anything away from jimmy butler like he was he was good in the in the playoffs obviously he does step up his game in the postseason like that's no question you know i do feel like that if it's probably the ankle injury like i could definitely see that because like before the ankle injury he was i mean there were 35 40 point games in there that like jimmy but like we were like oh this is the jimmy butler that steps up in the playoffs but you know maybe there's the ankle injury kind of catching up to him uh i don't think that def i don't think that takes away from that ridiculous three-point shot attempt that he shot at the the uh, uh, like with 15 seconds left in the game to try and tie the game that was a ridiculous shot he like pulled like a fade away three-point shot um, and then he had the turnover, but you know, it's like not, not to take anything away from Jimmy. He was great in the playoffs, but you know, again, uh, I think the supporting cast kind of really didn't live up to par as they did in previous rounds. And obviously Jimmy Butler in the finals just kind of quite wasn't at the level that he was early in the playoffs. But again, 
can't can't deny he's got his team that he was you know got his team there a couple of times so definitely man i think that just about wraps up our talk with uh with the nba finals unless you have anything else you want to talk about there no i got nothing else again congratulations to the denver nuggets um on your first championship victory and uh you know hopefully there's more to come in the future if you're not versing the celtics in the finals i will say though there's still some other things we wanted to talk about today and we will get into that in a moment, which is uh, we want to look back at the season and really see the the moments, remember the moments that were the most memorable that we won't forget for a long time. So we we listed off about three or four, maybe five that we, uh, we I got. Wrote. I got quite a few. We'll, we'll, all right. We're gonna all do. right. Let's let's hear. All right. You'll do two of them and then I'll give you two. OK, so not all these moments are like, oh, my God, like these great moments. Some of them are kind of funny that like I saw a tweet that somebody put out and it was like, this is the craziest season ever. And it was just people replying to the tweet and quote tweeting it with like some like ridiculously funny stuff. Like there was, there was one where like it as a Celtics fan, this kind of hurts, but like there was one where like Grant Williams said, I'm going to make both free free throws and he ends up missing both. of them. <laughs> There's just a bunch of like really funny clips, but um, I guess to start off with like one, this is definitely one we've talked about on this podcast and, you know, this is an unbelievable accomplishment, but how can we not bring up LeBron breaking Kareem's all-time scoring record? Like that to me is one of the best moments of the entire season. I mean, that's NBA history. LeBron James, say what you want about him, but he is, uh, he's a top two, three player of all time. I don't care if you put him number one, like he's, he's done so many great things throughout his career. Like, you know, and this is just one of those things that just speaks to his longevity. You know, we've talked about it plenty of times on this podcast, especially when it happened, but I definitely feel like you got to bring that up. Um, and then another thing, you know, this is another thing we talked about on this podcast. How about the trade deadline? This was like the craziest trade deadline ever. Kyrie Irving got traded to the, to the Dallas Mavericks and Kevin Durant got traded to the Suns and there just was so many moves. I remember like when we were talking about it, it was like 40 draft picks had gotten traded. There was this plethora of players that were going from team to team. They, like I remember when we were just kind of breaking it down and talking about teams who kind of won the draft, won the NBA trade deadline, who lost it. And just kind of looking at all the moves. We had the craziest trade deadline. And I think in the history of the NBA, like legitimately, like when do you ever see a guy like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving get shipped off in the middle of the season? just crazy 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 to think about that so i'm gonna start off with those two i think those two are probably ones you had written down but i I have to mention them yeah uh shout out american airlines i was actually stuck in miami the night that lebron ended up breaking the scoring record so i remember i will remember exactly where i was that night for the rest of my life no doubt but uh i mean pretty cool i guess to be in miami a place where you played for four years while you know while he was breaking the record that's pretty cool i guess that's true yeah but uh Yeah, for me, this was the first thing I wrote down. So the Luka Doncic 60-20-10 game, the first that the NBA has ever seen. Dude, I have that one written down too. Yeah, Mavs were down by nine against the Knicks, 35 seconds left. And teams in this scenario in NBA history had a record of 13,884-0 and going into this scenario, right? Wow. Uh, And then with this point margin and this limited time left, right? So Luca scored and scored and a few turnovers happened and the Mavs went into overtime and ultimately won. And he posted a 60, 20, 10 game. Like that's amazing, man. Just the fact that he was able to overcome those types of odds. And now 
after that game in that moment, you know, teams were one and thirteen thousand eight hundred and eighty four in uh in those scenarios being down by nine with thirty five seconds left. That was incredible, and I think that is something I will never forget. And it's a shame. It really is a shame the way that the Mavs season ended. Um, and I'm really hoping that. I mean, I don't know if I'm hoping for their sake that Kyrie stays or not. That's TB, TBD, I guess, to be decided. But uh, I think for them, you know, I want to see them progress. I really do. I want to see Luka win a championship so bad because he definitely deserves it. Just the way that he's been able to just uh, compete in the finals. I mean, he's been able to he put up the, the Clippers one year to a seven-game series. I don't remember if that was in the first or second round, but he's gone to the second round a few times. He's... He's really showed he's an X factor come playoff time, and I really want to see him back in the playoffs next year. Yeah, he was uh he was um he's in the Western Conference Finals last season. Like I mean he's he's a great player. Uh, I don't want to interrupt you, but like the, I remember just watching that game and just at least like seeing like the final like moments of that game. Like dude, Luka Doncic is just an incredible player. Like I hope he wins an MVP. I hope his team is good enough to where he wins an MVP and then gets to a finals and wins a championship. Like he's just amazing, but go ahead, go ahead, go with your well, second one. According, here. according to 2k, he will at some point win like three straight MVPs. Like I swear, dude, 2k is like surprisingly very accurate with some of these predictions. I cannot tell you how many times back when I was playing like 2k 20 and like simulating in the future that I would see the scenario that made no sense, which was Carl Anthony towns and Rudy Gobert was, were paired together with the Timberwolves. I swear to God. And That's I was insane, like, dude. yeah, I mean, dude, 2K guesses some surprising stuff, believe it or not. But I will say uh, the second one, I think, is the Kings making the playoffs. Just ending that run, which I will say, I did say on uh, Peter and Pombo's picks in which I said that the Kings were going to make the play in and that they had enough talent for that. I don't think anybody saw them finishing as a third seed. And I mean, if they were playing anybody else in the playoffs, they would have ended up advancing to the second round. But it's just Golden State. They have... Too much experience and like nine times out of 10 when you have that much experience facing a team that has literally no experience in the playoffs. I mean, the team with the experience is going to win nine out of 10 times. So I definitely got to say that was my second one. Ending the longest playoff drought in NBA history with uh, I believe they're out of the playoffs every year since 2007. It it was like some ridiculously long streak. I think it was the it was the team with the longest playoff drought in all sports like. It might have even been something like 2003. Like, I don't know. I don't know what it was. It was a long time, though. Um, but, yeah, shout out to the Sacramento Kings. I actually have something Kings-related here as well that's different. I'll mention that right now. Um, how about the Kings and Clippers game where they went into double overtime and the final score was 176 to 175, and it was the second highest scoring game in the history of the NBA? That's absurd. <laughs> That's like that's so many points scored in one game. That's like what two hundred and fifty-one points in an NBA game, and only went to double OT. You would think like that'd be like a triple overtime game, but the the Kings ended up winning that game, and you know, just another crazy, crazy uh, part of the Kings season, making it into the playoffs, and then just being in a. I know it was just a regular season game, but just being in an absolute dogfight with the Clippers, and you're having to play. You know, double overtime and your both teams are just dropping that many points is crazy to me. Um, and then I'll mention another uh crate. So this is kind of like a two-parter, I guess, in a way. But how about when Damian Willard scored 71 points and Donovan Mitchell scoring 71 points both in an NBA game this season? I mean, uh Damian Willard obviously, you know, 
he, there's there's been some rumors about him this offseason where he's going to go, but still a great player. Um, I think he really showed that this season. He averaged over 30 points per game. Like, he's still a really good player. That 71-point game he had was great. And then Donovan Mitchell just kind of erupted out of nowhere. I mean, he's a great player, but just a 71-point game from him too. Like, it's crazy that we kind of had two 70-plus point games this season. Um, we had a few 61s, obviously. We mentioned Luca. I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody else, but – you know, hopefully one day Will Chamberlain's record's going to get broken. I don't think it ever will, but, you know, we're just, I mean, it's cool to just see players drop like 70 plus points in a game. I mean, it's crazy. I remember when Devin Booker did it against the Celtics so, so, so many years ago. It's just, it's insane to kind of see that stuff happen. I'm going to make a crazy statement right now. Within three years, you're going to see a player score 100 points and beat Will Chamberlain's wow. record. It's going to happen. Dude, I'm serious, man. Just the the sheer, the sheer volume of three-point shots that go up now, there is a pathway to get to 100 points. You need a bunch of threes. But just those two scoring outbursts that we've seen over the last year with uh, Dame Lillard just going off for the 71, 73, whatever it was, and then the same thing. Obviously, with uh, with Mitchell, I mean, both of those came out of nowhere, and I think we're gonna see a player. Maybe it won't be a hundred. I'm gonna say a hundred and go the hot take here, but if it's not a hundred, we are gonna see a player hit ninety. I can guarantee. All you. right, who who's doing it? I want to hear it. who's the player is most likely to do that. You think? Who's, what player is most likely to score a hundred points, dude? That is such a good question. I mean. I'm going to have to actually cheat right now and look up uh, points per game leaders because I feel like that would be a good indicator I mean, from there. I would feel like if we're talking about like a modern player, I honestly feel like there's some players like if they really like wanted to try maybe, but I don't know. I think it's so – I think it's impossible. I don't know if it's ever going to get broken, but who do you got? Luka Doncic. Easy. Yeah, you gotta you gotta say him. Um, I think I think I mean the fact that he was able to put up 60, 20, and and ten. Imagine if he didn't even focus on you know passing the ball or rebounding, and he just focused full steam ahead, getting points, and he fo- he finished with a game where he had ninety, you know, ninety five and like three. Like I could see that happening. I'm serious. I'm not saying he's gonna average like ninety points in a season or something, but one game I could see him just being like, "This is my moment. Pass me the ball every shot you get, and I'm gonna take everything." tonight and like it just works out like that especially because the Mavs have like nothing around him so it's definitely possible I don't know man like I guess he would probably be the most likely I if Giannis ever develops a three-point shot like I like a like a pretty damn good three-point shot like I could definitely see him doing it but I don't know man I I I think I think 70 points is probably going to be like the max around there. Like, I mean, we know we had Kobe who scored 82 points, uh, you know, so many years ago, but maybe that could be broken, but hundred points is just insane. I don't know if that'll ever get broken. Hey, we'll see. I'm going to clip this and three years from now, when it gets broken, I'm going to, I'm going to play this back. If you like, I, I called it. I would, I, I don't know what I would do. If you, if you got that right, I would, man. I'd be just be like a crazy prediction right there if you could predict. I, I wonder that. what the odds of that are. It's it's got to be something crazy. It's got to be like one <laughs> out of know. like a million or something. Yeah, Maybe I mean even like higher. yeah, I mean like the, like Willard and Mitchell who both scored seventy points. Like they still need thirty more points to like break that. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean you know I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens with that. But I gotta say, so another another few that I have. 
uh doc rivers choking again i mean he chokes his teams every <laughs> single time he's up three or two or it's a three three game or even three one it seems like he blows it somehow so um he didn't get hired anywhere right i don't think doc ever did get hired i could no. i could see him being on the nba broadcast this season to be honest with you because the suns hired frank vogel your pistons got monty williams and then the 76ers got nick nurse so i don't think i don't think doc rivers got hired anywhere so we'll see what he ends up doing maybe he's a Maybe he ends up like sitting out a couple seasons or a season or something. I could see. By the that. way, the Suns hiring they hired Frank Vogel, right? Yep, Frank Vogel. Dude, what the hell are they thinking, bro? I don't understand this. Like, I'm not, not saying Frank, Frank Vogel, Vogel is a terrible coach, but are you telling me that he's a better coach than Monty Williams? No. No. Not I mean close. Yeah. And Monty, honestly, actually, while I'm here, real, how about you give like a minute take on what you think about the Pistons grabbing Monty Williams? I mean, I don't think I've asked you yet on the pod. So, all right, I'll throw out one more before I do that. And I think that's uh, Paulo Bancaro's historic start to his NBA career. Those mm-hmm. 20 point performances he put together the first like nine out of 10 games of his career. I'll go with that one. But um, so, OK, what do I think about the Pistons hiring him? I think it was the right move. It was the right head coach for sure. Definitely my number one candidate. Um, I didn't want to see anybody else there besides him. The only other guy that maybe I would have been cool with is Nick Nurse. But other than that, like Monty Williams, he has a blueprint how to take a team that has been struggling for years and turn them around. And I think the Pistons do have pieces there. Like they have Jalen Duran, right? They have they have literally mad centers. I don't know what they're gonna do with all their centers because they have so many centers that have been like top five picks. They have um, also obviously Wiseman. They have uh, Bagley, who's probably going to be gone after this season. I don't really see how they're going to be able to keep him. He's not to interrupt you, but not to interrupt you. I think that I saw a, a tweet that the Celtics apparently were interested in Isaiah Stewart. So we'll see what ends up happening with that. Yeah, he's he's relatively disposable too. I'd rather see um, Wiseman stay there over him because I think yeah. Wiseman has potential to become like a twenty a twenty twelve guy or something over time. But they have they have some pieces. Obviously, Cade was injured this whole season, and we saw what the Pistons are without Cade, and they're a seventeen win team, so they're not very good without him right now. But Ivy, Ivy was putting up points, man. Ivy was putting up points. If they can flip flip a uh, Bogdanovich and be able to get, I mean, there's a rumor out there that they might get the tenth overall pick from the Mavs for him. It's still a rumor; it hasn't been confirmed, but they could potentially get a mid a mid first round pick for him which would be nice and then pair those two first rounders there they have and maybe try to get some kind of a borderline superstar player maybe like a Zach Levine or something i don't know we'll see what happens there Sounds but yeah but um in terms of the coaching hire it was the right hire it's just the one concern i have is how much guaranteed money they gave him and how much money they gave him overall that is one big concern i have because I mean, it seemed like he didn't really want to coach this year, this upcoming season, um, just off of what I heard. I mean, there was a rumor that went on. Don't know how true it is. But first, he actually turned down the Pistons and told them straight up, like, I, I don't want to coach this year. And I think his wife has breast cancer. So it's, there's yeah. a very fair reason why he didn't want to. But then, you know, they ended up saying, all right, we'll give you double of basically what, what we we're offering before. Will you reconsider it now? And he said, yeah, I'll coach. So, yeah. That's the thing that kind of does worry me. But I think, look, he's a he's a younger on the younger side of being a head coach compared to some of these guys. He He's able to really build a, a good locker room presence. And I think the Suns firing him, first of all, was absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. The fact that they were able to give I mean, they weren't even give, able to give KD like 20 games with him and they just fired him. It's like you you have the blueprint to be such a good team and then you just 
I don't know, you just fire the guy that was able to bring you to some kind of stability and bring you to an NBA finals. And it literally is second season being there. It's like, dude, freaking crazy. I don't, I don't get it. But um, back to the Pistons, I will say it was the right hire. It's just, I don't know. I'm a little nervous how much money they gave him. But at the same time, I think like they had no other choice. That was the only move they really could have made. Yeah. You know, now the expectations are that he's going to be able to turn this team around. So I like Monty Williams, though. We'll see if he can definitely do that. Um, And then just kind of, you know, a few more things. These are kind of more so on the funny side because <laughs> there was a lot of like funny moments this season. How about Shannon Sharp trying to fight the entire Memphis Grizzlies team and John Morant's dad? Can we talk about that? <laughs> yeah, that was wild, man. That, that was wild. so funny. They had like the meme, like Shannon Sharp with like his back turned, like looking at him with like his like angry face and stuff. There was like such a funny moment in the season. Like that was really funny. And then another one. Uh, how about Patrick Beverly in that Celtics game? Well, first of all, LeBron's reaction to the no call. And then Patrick Beverly taking the camera and showing Eric Lewis the no call. Oh my God. There's just a lot of those like funny moments this season. Um, But yeah, those two kind of, I know they're two Lakers ones, but those two really stuck out to me as just being like really funny uh, moments throughout the season. Yeah, definitely, man. I think like also two more I want to add is, um, I mean, this is more so like just overall, like during the year, how they did. Oklahoma City becoming competitive without Chet mm. Holmgren, I think that's huge. Like they have such a bright future ahead of them, and they're able to develop young talent. Like they're gonna, they're gonna make it. Um, very love well, SGA, dude. He's such yeah. a great player. No, like I they're like gonna SGA be, they're gonna be in the playoffs uh, probably this year. It's almost a guarantee, a lock. They're gonna be in the playoffs, and they're gonna. Yeah, I think there's a chance like they're gonna be the next NBA like dynasty. Like it's, I mean, they have all the tools, bro. They have all the lottery picks to do it over the next five or six years. I think they have something like twenty lottery picks or, or twenty NBA first yeah. round picks. I mean, shout out to Sam Presti. I mean, just being able to acquire all those picks. I mean, now you just gotta hit on those picks, and then I mean, you got, I mean, right? I mean, you got SGA, you got uh, Josh Giddy, Chuck Holmgren when he comes back, Jalen, uh, what's his name, Jalen Williams, I think, who's. He had a pretty good season last year, too. And, you know, you're going to have uh, – I forget what pick the Thunder have in the draft, but, like, then you can draft another pretty good player as well in this year's class. Like, it, it can work out, man. And you have a super – you have a, a – I would say a very close to a superstar type of player in SGA who averaged over 30 points per game. I think he made – I don't know if he was first-team All-NBA this season or second team, but regardless, he had an unreal season. Um and he's going to be one of those guys who is just going to um, be that the face of the franchise type of player. Um, it's crazy that, you know, you think about the Thunder trading away like Paul George and they got SGA and a bunch of a bunch of assets. And then they traded Russell Westbrook away and did the same thing, I think. And uh, they got Chris Paul, obviously. But I think they got some more capital uh, with picks and stuff like that. Like, hey, you're doing they're doing the right thing. They are doing the right thing. They're doing the the, the rebuilding the right way is what I'll say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think another team that really overachieved this year, uh, Utah Jazz. I mean, like, I understand the yeah, last yeah. few games of the season, they kind of didn't really play that well, but they also had some injury issues. And just being able to finish with 37 wins after people didn't even think they would make it a 20. I mean, and then trading away Rudy Gobert and getting all that stuff back for him. and getting, Basically, bro, they basically got Rudy Gobert and four first-round picks for Rudy Gobert because uh, Walker Bueller, I believe is his name, he is basically Rudy Gobert 2.0. So... 
Dude, you nailed that prediction, by the way. Like you you were so anti Rudy Gobert and it it worked out to perfection. I gotta tip my cap to you. I didn't really like it either, but you were like so adamant it was not gonna work and it didn't work. It seems oh, I like thought I I said this is gonna be the second time that Danny Ainge is gonna be on the right side of one of the worst moves in NBA history. That's true. It, it looks like Fair that, enough. man. I mean, and they can't really get rid of Rudy Gobert either. It's like it's kind of a tough situation for the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves. And I thought they would be like a pretty good regular season team, but they were only the eighth seed in, in the play-in, and they got bounced by the Nuggets. So. Yeah, they're going to have to get rid of Towns, which is the other alternative, which is, I mean, subbing out Towns for or Gobert for Towns or vice versa. I mean, that's not a good sign in my eyes, but you got any moments you want to bring up? Um, I mean, the New York Knicks, too. I, mean, I think that's another team that I feel like kind of really, you know, got their franchise kind of back on the right track. I know I mentioned them kind of briefly, briefly earlier when we were talking about the Heat, but I mean, they went 47 and 35, finishes the five seat, beat the Cleveland Cavaliers in the first round. And we were kind of uh, crapping on the Jalen Brunson signing. And it's working to a T right now, right? And, you know, the the acquisition of Josh Hart, the trade deadline, really kind of pushed this team even further as being a really good team. Unfortunately, you know, their, their season kind of came to an end. But, um, you know, just a, a really uh, a really positive season for the next because like two years ago they were really good too and then last season they kind of had a really down season then Julius Randle kind of came back to being a pretty good player and then the Jalen Brunson signing kind of made them really good so if I would have if I were to name a team that kind of outperformed expectations a little bit I'm gonna say the I'm gonna say the next they had a really good year yeah definitely yeah so I think we're uh we're gonna wrap up with that. I mean, definitely crazy season, well deserved NBA championship by the Nuggets, and uh, hell of a run by the Heat. And I think there was a lot of good things this year. So hopefully next year, it's just as exciting and uh, there's more action than even what happened this year. Yeah, I know we said we we're gonna talk about Bradley Beal and all of that, but we're gonna do that next week. I think. Yo, this episode we can kind of just dedicate it. We dedicated it to just kind of putting a bow on this past season. Now next next week we can kind of talk about you know the off season kind of give our predictions of what's going to happen maybe some bold predictions of what we could see going down and you know it's this is now the NBA off season the draft is next week as well so you know I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit as well but uh yeah I think that's it for this week's episode congratulations to the Denver Nuggets once again for winning their first NBA championship and to Nikola Jokic for winning Finals MVP um great season for them and. A really memorable season overall uh but uh yeah so make sure you guys follow us on twitter at rough the basket follow us on instagram at rough in the basket again go subscribe to our brand new youtube channel uh look up rough in the basket Ruffin being one word and then the basket is also just being one word so just look up rough in the basket you'll find us you can go on my story on instagram and kind of find that or go to the rough in the basket instagram as well you'll also find where to subscribe to us. Um, and then you can follow me on Twitter at bcar underscore 13. And you can follow Noah on Instagram at mburnt37. Noah, do you have anything else for me? Football related? Bro, I mean, we got the job done and now I can go home. That's all I got to say. Love it. Love how you tie everything together just like that. Shout out to Jokic, man. Uh, the common man. So uh, that's it for this week's episode, guys. And uh, we will see you guys next week with some more NBA talk in the offseason. Peace.